Hello and welcome to the Bakash Podcast. I am Don. I'm Scott. You I feel like the music is look. still out. I might have to uh, remix that a little, yeah. a little lower. So I can't hear the music at all. Yeah, that's all right. Why you can't hear the music? I'm gonna change that it's volume like level. It's like in the movies, like. So, you know, you, you get these action-packed scenes in, in, in movies and you've got this really awesome music in the background or, or there's this beautiful love story and, and all of that and there's music that goes with it and you're like, well, their, their world seems so much cooler since they have a constant <laughs> stream of music flowing through. I feel like if, if I had that kind of music going on that I'd know what was coming next because, like, the music would get more intense right before someone was about right? to ninja attack me, but... You know, then I can turn around and kick their butt first, or or blow their car up and walk away like, um, <laughs> <laughs> just walk away with the explosion in the background. Yeah, and absolutely. And there's music to go with it. So there, there was a movie a few years ago that kind of like put that into light. Oh, what was that called? It was like Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Okay. I'm not condoning it. Just saying that because <laughs> I don't rem- I don't think the contents of the movie were appropriate if will ferrell was in it probably, probably not, not. Mm-hmm. but uh they're like walking away from an explosion mm-hmm. and like it blows him to the ground and he's like it hurts my ears <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know it was gonna hurt <laughs> but that would be me like uh. walking away from the explosion oh my goodness <laughs> it works so well on tv i don't understand why it doesn't translate right? to real life i thought everything on tv was real uh, well my my um so my, my brother is a is a lawyer and his wife is a detective and I keep telling them to go ahead and, and watch the uh, TV show Lethal Weapon. Oh. And I, I told my brother who who is the cuz it's a little it's opposite on this one where my brother's the lawyer and, and my sister-in-law she she's the detective. So it's kind of reverse what oh, Lethal Weapon. I forgot Weapon that is. was their roles mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So Lethal Weapon was a TV show that lasted 3 seasons but was canceled last year. Yeah. Um but uh yeah the one detective was married to a lawyer and sometimes that would obviously you know they'd cross paths in the courtrooms kind of thing and mm-hmm. and every every day though the detective was jumping off of a car or yeah. wrecking the car or jumping out of a like a 10-story building or hanging on a crane upside down and sniping someone from the side and it's like well that's the daily life of a detective. That's just awesome. Yeah, I have a I have a coworker whose husband is a he just got promoted to detective. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, so is that like a desk job now? Like is he like like is he safer? Right. Because like yeah, like on TV the detective's like the one get and she actually said that he sometimes does report to the scene first. Really? So it can be a, a hairier situation because they're like the bad guy could still be there. Okay. Kind of okay. thing. But I don't think he's involved in a lot of shootouts. Okay. Like well, every day, every day on that show, they had a shootout. I, according to TV, LA, New York, and Chicago, there are lots of automatic weapons and bombs and terrorist threats every week. Really? I mean, if you watch the TV shows. Wow. You know? Huh. That's true. Because we've, we've got a couple of our uh, like Hulu offerings that are set in there, and you're just kind of like, huh. So even the cops have like, you know, fully automatic <laughs> guns and they're getting shot at with bazookas, but it never makes it on the news. That's <laughs> like, true. Today in downtown LA, <laughs> it was wrecked. <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't happen in Cincinnati like that. Traffic would just be miserable. Yeah, that's the reason I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, guys, it's, what, 
took me too long to get to work today. There was a guy with a bazooka on the side of the road. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. You know. Anyway. Nah. So I guess with Hosea, there is not many oh, shootouts. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, here to, we're here to talk about uh, Hosea. You're I'm right, not quite man. sure they even had a gun. Um, Bow and arrow. They, they Probably. But not in yeah. this not in this book that I recall. Well, I mean, we haven't gotten that far yet. That's true. And if you've got some of the... There's still time. You've got some of the issues that are going on. You've got the Assyrians, and and, and they might use torture techniques that, that might impale your body or head on a stake while you're still alive, and you have to watch. They certainly were a vicious yeah, they were. bunch of people. Yep. So that may be going on in the Northern <coughs> Kingdom, and at least their fear of, of, of what the Syrian, Assyrians could do. It's at least kind of what's going on in the Southern Kingdom during this time. So... Um, yeah, and then there's a whore, and it, her children. Yes. Oh, yeah. So once again, if you're listening with your kids, <laughs> uh, once again, we're trying to keep this as PG as possible. But there is uh, throughout this chapter just some words that might be a little bit harsher. That if you don't want your precious six year old repeating, you might want to you know listen in the car on the way to work when they're not there or mm-hmm. uh, with some headphones on. But yeah, we're trying to keep it as PG as possible. But it's not our fault because it's inspired and God wrote it. Yeah, and the Bible isn't always PG. Right. I don't know. Is there any R? The Bible? Have you read Judges? Oh, that's true. Song of Solomon a little bit too. Well, I mean. Song of Solomon could be a. Oh, man. I would say that if I was a MPAA raider, because there's a lot of symbolism, I might go PG-13. Okay. Um, but if I was, if Judges was a movie, dude, hard R. Yeah, there's no way that Judges could be a PG-13. Yeah, even parts of, I mean, uh, First and Second Samuel is an R. Um, Kings can be an R. Oh, Technically, the Passion of the Christ, R. that was R. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking of the violence, like in Samuel, he, you know, saw like kidnaps, or doesn't kidnap, but captures the king and parades him in front of everybody. And Samuel's like, you're supposed to kill him. So he pulls out a sword and just hacks him to pieces. You know, that's a, yeah. David brings in quite a few foreskins. Oh, that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole uh, Bathsheba thing. I think yeah. it, if you if you did a lot of stuff off camera, you could get David to a PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you're true to the telling, man, you're. Yeah, there, there's no. You're, tr- you're an R. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's pretty much of the Bible that's R, actually, come to think of it. And but I was looking at the podcast stats, so let me phrase that. Those are the movie ratings in America um, to our New Zealand and England, UK, and British Isles listeners. Uh, R means restricted, and you have to be 17 or older. Or if you're, you have to be 17 or older, or else an adult has to be with you. Oh. Uh, PG-13 means parental guidance is suggested for 13-year-olds, but there's no law that says a 13-year-old can't go on their own or under can't go on their own. And then PG just means parental guidance it could have some minor you know swears or violence and stuff but yeah that was for you guys and g's just boring and thanks for listening <laughs> so <laughs> From uh, across I'm, the ponds i'm curious like i wonder do they do you guys have rating systems i mean because they rate video they, games they, in other countries they do and here comes the here comes my nerd side um by the time you hear this the star wars movie will be out but uh because the uh last jedi was a disappointment to me I've been reading leaks and spoilers to the Rise of Skywalker that comes out in a, a couple of weeks here, uh, about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the spoilers and leaks are coming through 
the rating systems for like other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them has a rating called PG-11. Really? Yeah, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. They take 11 as the cutoff, where we take the teen, 13 as the cutoff. Okay. Um, and I forgot what the other one was. But yeah, they have systems. They're just different setup or it might have different criteria. Okay. Like the, the MPAA is pretty uh, relative to who's doing the rating. Okay. Um, they have different boards and stuff that like come through. And I'm probably not doing it justice, but uh, one board might watch a movie and say, oh, yeah, it's a PG. And another one might, oh, that's a PG-13. Okay. Um, so they'll, it just depends on who's in the room and who's on the board at the time. Okay. There yeah. you go. But if you drop two F-bombs, it's almost always an R. What about one F-bomb? Yeah, usually that's safe for a PG thirteen. Okay, but so it's multiple multiple f bombs that that lead to, to yeah. to the rated R version. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, so. let's go ahead and, and get started with Hosea. Wait, you had a uh, under thirteen year old come down, and you're about to read a PG thirteen chapter. Oh, that's very true. So do, you you, you got to hurry because the Bible isn't always PG thirteen. So <laughs> Scott's daughter came down here. She is loading the Nintendo Switch into its case. Mm-hmm. And they have very strict rules while carrying the switch. That's a, you um, know my kid got his Amazon tablet and he dropped it down the stairs within two days when he had it. Mm-hmm. And on the commercials they showed it wouldn't break, but a line went down the screen. Yeah, so yeah they're they're not allowed to carry it unless it's in a case. And then good good call. Mm-hmm. Stoops. Unless I'm there, unless I give you special permission, which doesn't yeah. happen too often. <laughs> so all right, all right. So, so uh, Jose. back to Jose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was our special guest today. Yeah, you know, that's the reason I don't let my kids play with that switch either is because if I'm not home, I don't want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We I'm, dropped it and it broke, Dad. Mm-hmm. I'm very strict, very strict. And if they do carry it, they have to carry it right next to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't play with those. <coughs> All right, Jose, uh, uh, we are going to pick up in verse 3. Uh, we left off. We thought we would get farther than we did, but we didn't. So we said we'd pick up in 3 and... Uh, we didn't discuss in the pre-show how long you wanted to read the first. So how far how far are you gonna read to start out? So, <laughs> um, so where we ended um, last week was um, we are ultimately rebuking there. Okay, so Israel is being rebuked um, for um, their sin and their continual um, harlotry, being going towards other gods, um, and we left with. Um, God telling her to, being Israel, telling her to remove her, the adulterous ways from her wife or from her life. Oh and um, we are currently, so I'm going to start with verse three that can kind of finalizes that. And then we'll kind of address the next section after that. How's that? Sounds good. So verse three says, otherwise I will strip her. Okay, so I'm going to read from two to four just as kind of the review. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face um, and the faith unfaithfulness from between her breasts, referring to her pursuing other gods or other, other lovers, um, being other gods, most likely Baal. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. So, what do, what do you got for the, I guess, verse three and four as we kind of finish up this section? 
Uh, well, mostly with verse three, the imagery here, and I've talked about this before, uh, kind of the disclaimer and the way to make sure that people understand that Hosea here is uh, imparting a message to Israel, not a message from God to Hosea's wife. So this is not what God is threatening to do or what Hosea is threatening to do to his wife. This is not some kind of weird domestic abuse that's going on here. This is God talking about um, Israel, the people, the land and stuff like that. So verse three uh, saying, you know, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness parched land and kill her with thirst and things like that. The imagery here is God is saying, I will make you vulnerable to whatever may come uh, here. He's, he's, you know, saying that he will make it a, uh, almost like a wasteland that won't be uh, good for much of anything. And he's going to remove his protections from it. He's going to like remove his uh, status of being their God of their uh, blessings as though they were like, you know, his clothing and his jewelry and the opulence that he would have like ordained on a wife. It's like, he's taking away, you know, it would be like if uh, uh, I had, you know, given somebody a whole bunch of gifts and they uh, turned around, stabbed me in the back and tried to kill me. And uh, I said, you know, what? I'm taking all this stuff back. But it turned out that like what I'd given them was all they had. So now I'm leaving them destitute with nothing is pretty much what's going on here. And it would have been the legal duty of the husband to actually clothe his wife. So right. um, he is actually, in a sense, saying that he's removing um, the provision that he's well, what he has provided to um, Israel being his wife. Um, and wilderness, from what I got as well, it's, it's kind of a land where no rain falls. Um, so ultimately, you're seeing where um, everything that God has provided or, or a husband would have provided or what um, God was supposed to have been providing, really, Baal was getting credit for that. And yeah. so God was kind of removing all of that, really stripping her, literally, of almost everything. So that Israel has really no other possible um, avenue or, or has really nothing. Um, they're, she's, they're naked, got nothing, and really the only way that they have to go is back towards God. And then so that's kind of, since Baal was the god of fertility, um, he was the one that was supposed to be providing all of these things and he's getting credit for it. And God's going to be like, well, tell you what, I'll show you what Baal really does. And I'll show you who really is the one that's been providing for you the entire time. Yeah. And that's what we saw in the uh, uh, verse three when he says and kill her with thirst um, it is basically God saying, I'm the one who provides you with water. But if you're <coughs> going to look towards bail for that water that makes your land fertile um i'll take the water away and we'll see what happens mm -hmm. is basically what he's saying there um i'm trying to read my handwriting see that's why you just type you <laughs> read everything. yeah but i i've started taking notes in the actual pages so which well, Jack's actually not true many times like i've typed out what i thought it was and then it auto corrects and i'm like Err, and i go back and read it and i was like oh, it didn't turn out that way yeah but yeah if you look at um, how far did you read again? I'm sorry. Till four. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that because my next note really encompasses the next couple verses. Okay. So. so now I'm going to read um, chapter two, verse five through eight. Um, and uh, today we're reading mostly out of the NIV. Uh, we'll probably be going back and forth with the NIV yeah, and I'm ESV. Still... Um, I think the 
ESV, I, I get more into a three, but this is more of a poetic. And, and I think we were discussing a couple weeks ago how we kind of enjoy the NIV's translation when it comes to more of the poetic, where the ESV kind of takes a more word word by word translation, which sometimes it loses its meaning when, when you go that direction. So mm-hmm. um, throughout most of the minor prophets, we'll kind of be using both the NIV and the ESV through, you know, through our discussion and reading. Um, there, <clears throat> verse five, their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who, who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. She, was not, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for bail. Uh, once again, uh, for the a lot of that, you're seeing... Um uh, it, 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 the intro part of it, like verses five, well, mostly five, uh, we're seeing once again that like God pulling away his provision because uh, Israel is chasing after other gods or relying on other gods for its provision. I don't How do you, pro- should we call Israel a, a she in this case? Yeah. After her? I, yeah, I, was, I would I'm say like, probably. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, that's kind of how God, uh, that's kind of how Hosea seems to be set up. So, yeah, I would say yeah. probably her. Um, but, so he says in uh, five, for she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax. So she's once again going out and saying, I'm, it, to put this in American terms, this is, I'm going to go chase the dollar. And I'm going to go chase uh, provision. I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want, what I need. And I'm not going to rely on God to be the ultimate provision here is is pretty much what they're saying here but um it looks a little bit different because you're looking at a false god that has a name as opposed to a more american mindset where the false god is kind of ambiguous um you know we sacrifice our our families our communities and all that on an altar of a false god a lot but we don't have the name Baal for it Mm -hmm. Um, but we still do a lot of the same things and Deuteronomy kind of warns us I mean really going back to our study on Deuteronomy it kind of goes back to what God had warned uh, warned many times them not to to forget Uh, because I think how many times do we hear what is it forget lest you or something along those and it's like oh wow he said that again and and I think that comes back to the amount of times that um, Israel forgot about how God had provided, forgot about the relationship that they had, and continued to pursue idols in order to um, fulfill or to seek idols in order to fulfill their needs. When in almost every situation, and not almost in every situation, situation. <laughs> it was Yahweh, it was God who provided for their needs. And we're just seeing this again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And and here we have in Hosea. Um, just another example of where this is happening and God is saying, you know, I'm going to strip you naked and then I'm going to show you who it is that genuinely is providing for you. It's not Baal. 
but in fact, it's me. And that's kind of what he's talking about in these verses is he's like, you didn't give me credit for for what for how, what I have provided. You thought it was Baal, and now I'm going to show you otherwise. And, and not only is it you didn't give me credit, it's not like these other things are real either. It, Baal is a, a fake idol that does not exist. Mm-hmm. Like it is, there, Baal has absolutely no power because Baal is not real um, and ha- is unable to provide. So not only are they, it, it's not like God's like, Oh man, come on. Like, give me some of the credit for what happened. It's like, God's like, no, a hundred percent of it's from me. Right. Like there is no outside source that can help you here. So if I take all my stuff away, if I take all the blessings away, you're cooked. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. And let me show you. I'll take it all away now. Now show, show me what Baal's giving you. Right. Nothing. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but then shortly after that, we see God's mercy in, in, in a weird sort of way. Um, he says, therefore I will hedge her up well, I'm not sure the way you write it. Sorry. Hedge up her way with thorns. This is ESV. And I'll build a wall against her for so that she cannot find her path. She'll pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She'll seek them, um, but not find them. This is God basically uh, making it hard for her to go after uh, these false idols. You look like you're thinking something. No, I'm listening. I'm oh, okay. No, I'm... I'm so yeah, going through the initial verses here, um, it's he's she comes to this conclusion that hey, it's hard to pursue this. There's obstacles in my way, and this is once again like an as I said, it sounds weird, an act of God's mercy, but she is trying hard to go after like the the false deities. She's trying hard to sin against God and God is making it hard for her to do that. Mm-hmm. He's he's actually putting in obstacles to steer her way. It would be like your little kids running towards the street, uh, you know, could potentially get hit by a car and you run up and you grab the child and keep them from doing that. And then you put up a, a fence around your house to keep the kid from running into the street. And then you put a lock on the fence so that the kid can't get through the gate and then like okay the kid is still not trying to climb over the gate okay so we're going to build a taller gate (laughs) you know it's like all right now we're going to build a moat around the house it's like he's putting things there to keep her from hurting herself um but when you read it like oh it's going to put thorns up man that sounds like he's trying to lock her up in some kind of kidnapping thing it's not that he's trying to save her soul (laughs) it's kind of real soul (laughs) it's kind of a sign of protection um in a way and uh, again her pursuing those other lovers it's a way to Again, you said it just right. So I, um, I stole your thunder. No, no, no go for it. No, I, so. And then at, at the end, she, well, at the end of seven, I will go return to my first husband for it was better for me then than now. Um, once you have that relationship restored, it's, it's a different world. Don't do that. Sorry. Uh, I was yawning and then he followed suit. <laughs> All right. So Sorry, I'm so, boring, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just in case you're wondering why we're yawning. Yes. We, we had a long day at work and then like we come and you, you, so him and I get up at hours that people should still be sleeping Four twenty. You get up about 40 ish minutes before I do. Okay. All right. Wait, did I do that math right? Yes. About 40 minutes before I do. Okay. And then the weather today drains you. Oh, yeah, because it's raining and yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's just gloom mm-hmm. all day long. I usually keep the lights off in my classroom, and it was so dark in there. <laughs> I had to actually turn them on. They're like, Mr. Sulik, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? I have these like uh, fiber optic lights that I got for free from mm-hmm. some Amazon company that I don't know how I get on these lists. But that was the only light I wanted in my office today. But yeah, it was one of those where I was like, I'll fall asleep if I mm-hmm. <laughs> keep this up. My students, I never have the lights on. They're like, what do you got the lights on? Something just doesn't feel right. Uh, I was like, but it gets too dark in here. And it's winter. Well, yeah. it's not winter yet, but the sun sets at like five. Oh, my watch actually. Oh, it's, never mind. It, the sun sets like at 512 or mm-hmm. something. So we're already like in the. I get in when crumb. it's dark. I leave when it's dark. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. All right. So anyway, um, complaints aside, (laughs) um, we're going to go verse nine through 15. Um, Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her cel- all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moon, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Oh, okay. And speak tenderly to her. Um, there I will. G- so I'll stop there. Yeah. Um, so that, and I stopped at 14, not 15. Um, so we've got those blessings, which God had provided. Um, we see those in, in verse nine. Um we see in, in verse 10 um, where we're talking about the, these cultic festivals and worship of Baal. Um, those are going to stop. And in fact, he actually gets into some of the festivals that even God commands. Um, yeah. However, um, during those festivals and celebrations, they've kind of mixed together a version of Yahweh and Baal worship. And that never happens nowadays. That no, no, uh, of no, course not. Ever. So everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the I sarcasm in this room is getting thick. <laughs> it is bad. Um, and I think the the one thing is is I like to call it you know what Canaanite. Um, yeah, gosh, Canaanite Christianity. Yeah, cre- Canaanite Christianity because we as Christians and in our current day world. Well, tell you what, let's explain that and let's get into Canaanite Christianity. So let's explain some of those festivals and and stuff that they're talking about and then maybe talk about that Canaanite Christianity in our own world. Okay, uh, before we get into the festivals and stuff, there there is some debate around verse 10. Did your commentary get into that at all? Um, about what, now I will uncover her lewdness? In the no, I didn't, I didn't have anything for that. So it... The the word there that is used shares a similar root with uh, actually I don't think it's the root that shares I think it's the rest of the word whatever you call the not root part of it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with what could mean female genitalia which was referred to as a foot in okay. Deuteronomy oh wow um, if you remember that uh, uh, but, I do remember that but uh, scholars have now really come to say that like the uh, uh, root word actually refers to something that is foolish. 
so this is probably not so i know that if there's anybody else out there that's kind of a scholar or that is a budding scholar or uh, at bible college and might have read this and thought they had like a, a little you know inside dirty joke clean clean yourself up um it's more likely to refer to a foolish act now the foolish act could be uh crass or sexual in nature hmm. um something that she's doing that's like ridiculous or whatever but it more likely than not does not refer to uh feminine parts okay uh, now i did get as when i was talking about some of the new moon festivals mm-hmm. um it did get into the idea that um some of these new moon festivals were like festivals that occurred monthly um and sometimes were tied to like the menstruation uh, the menstrual cycles of, of women and then some of that um and again it didn't go into a lot of detail, nor do I really know if I want to know the detail. <laughs> um, but Funny, they, my, my commentary did not touch on. It did not. No, it didn't dig deep into the festivals at all, which I thought was kind of odd. Okay. She got a little bit into them. Um, hmm. And I, I guess I'll explain kind of. So I've got the new moons um, was basically it was kind of included the sexual bail rights. Um there's some Hebrew words they use that, that is focused on kind of like a sacred marriage. Um, they basically said that some of these celebrations might have resembled some of the menstrual cycles of women. And, and so they, they kind of fix these monthly festivals around the new moons and that sort of thing. And I was like, all right, that sounds confusing, nor do I <laughs> want to know if I want to go deeper into that. No. Um, they did mention some of the yearly festivals. Um, so when we talked about Deuteronomy, and I think actually we have separate podcasts for um, some of the festivals that we talked about. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, we talked about the Passover and Passover, Jewish festivals. Yes. But not, we don't have a podcast on like the Baal festival. No, but some of the yearly festivals that they were talking about here refer to oh, some oh. of the um, some of the pilgrimages, like the uh, some of the festivals, the unleavened bread, the harvest, then gathering. So these were festivals that, that God commanded them to go ahead and celebrate. Um, however, this is where they kind of intermixed some of the festivals that God commands into some of the Baal worship. Um, and um, Sabbath days was another part of that. So we, we get these festivals and, and God's going to basically try and shut them all down the Baal worship, but also even the intermixing of the festivals that God commands to rejoice in. He's saying, all right, we're going to go ahead and stop those because you're utilizing Baal worship and these festivals that, that I've given for you to worship me. And so, um, so that's kind of some of the festivals that they're kind of talking about. Um, I guess going back though, to this whole, Canaanite Christianity thing, I, I think we kind of do that in our own society where there's things that God has commanded us to do, things that scripture talks about, how it is that we're supposed to worship God. But we sometimes bring a lot of, we bring some ideas, new agey ideas, we bring some of these ideas and we kind of mm-hmm. add them to what God has commanded. Um, but doesn't necessarily approve of when we bring those in. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm like over here trying to think of some good examples in my mind, of course, is like drawing a nice, wonderful blank, but like some of the more, I guess, egregious things I, I find kind of interesting that people do, uh, is they might, um, 
they might mix like their horoscope in or their oh, yeah. superstitions in or things like that with um, their day to day. So they might wake up, read their devotional and then go uh, say something dumb like, well, I'm like that because I'm a Sagittarius or, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it's like, well, no, you're your being and who you are is not determined by the month and time of year you were born in right. kind of thing. And that, I think that's kind of the, it, it sounds minor and stupid, but that's because it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it really is. And I'm sorry if I just called you out, but you really, you really need to kind of look into that because there's some prohibitions on consulting the stars. Yeah. Um, we saw that in Deuteronomy also. Right. I think that, um, one of the more pagan practices that people don't realize they do and uh, uh sorry not sorry but i think that we see quite a bit of like angel worship if that makes sense yeah um where we i well one of a couple ways we either see people that feel that they are given their own godlike powers to command angels around to do things mm-hmm. um we see people pray to angels um we see people ask for god to send angels to do the work that god does uh you know we we give them this elevated position of doing what god does and, and like one of the examples i hear and i know i'm going to hear about it from somebody no i'm not nobody ever emails us at bodyshotlook.com <laughs> Ooh, good way <laughs> to put the email like, in. i like it um the uh like you know we'll say things like and lord we know your angels are here to protect us or something like that or you know they're like mm-hmm. send your angels to protect us like dude that's like going to you know like i'm trying to think of something else that's like going to captain america and asking him if he would send hawkeye to protect you Okay. Ouch, that hurts. Yeah. Hawkeye might have a cool bow and arrow or something like that, but man, you got a guy with super strength and super speed that's right there to protect you. You don't need him to send Hawkeye, you know, kind of thing. I guess that's kind of a weak analogy, but that, you know, you're asking for the lesser, but you're trying to dip your toe into the supernatural in what you consider a righteous way. Well, but uh, okay. So, I mean, even even take some of the festivals that we like festivals some of the holidays that we celebrate, like look at Easter. How does a Easter bunny get into, see, that's a more practical way you know, than my stupid analogy. How is it that we get an Easter bunny or Santa Claus, or how is it that we get these things into really what's supposed to be the ultimate focus on Jesus? And really we can go as crazy as giving gifts and presents and that sort of thing. We've in a sense created our, our own, our own holiday that goes beyond what it was originally meant to accomplish. And we well, even, even the celebration of the nativity is not commanded that's true. in scripture, the celebration and to do uh, the, you know, communion Lord's supper in remembrance of Jesus is the sacrament that's commanded. Right. Um, Passover. Yeah. Holding, <laughs> holding uh, Christmas in a high regard is not, Oh boy, we're gonna man. <laughs> I'm like we're digging deeper and stepping. Uh, hey, this will come out after Christmas, so hey. Uh, All right, we're good. <laughs> um, no, um, I I celebrate Christmas. I do too. Okay. Now um, I don't have a Christmas tree. I have a life size camel. Right. <laughs> I have. Um, and I'm not being sarcastic. I really have a life size camel. And I, I have one Christmas tree in my house, and I have one on my front porch. Don't ask. Okay. <laughs> now I have to ask. We have, uh, we have, uh, 
we we had a tree in our basement that we hadn't used and we thought it'd be cool if we just like oh it'll be a way to put lights outside mm-hmm. um there's nothing to hold it down and pretty much so far every day i've come home i've had to pick it up because the wind has blown it over oh wow okay so i don't know how much longer it'll last out there but now thanks to the rain it's wet Ooh, that should be fun. I'm yeah, not pick- so, uh, I doubt yeah. you're picking that one up. Not right now. Okay. Let well, me not pick it. Well, the funny part is that like when it lays down, like all the leaves get smashed or the uh-huh. you know, yeah, it's stupid. Um, how? Okay. So tangent in the is it the Helvetic Confession or Westminster? I can't remember. I think it's the Helvetic. Um, they actually say celebrating the nativity is permissible. Um, but it should not be a uh, something that takes over kind of thing. Um, you shouldn't feel required to, and you shouldn't like tell people they're required to. Uh, however, um, it, you can and should, not should, but you can and it's encouraged to uh, celebrate the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's an old confession from like, you know, before any of us were born kind of thing. And it's fine. But some of the stuff we do, we might want to look a little bit deeper into, or we might want to find a way to redeem it. Things you cannot redeem, mistletoe, okay? Uh, Standing underneath some pagan leaf hanging from your door, hoping for some voodoo spell of love to be cast upon you and the recipient is stupid. And it's synchronitism, and it's Canaanite Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, A Christmas tree? John Calvin was like, hey, let's bring the nature and beauty that, or sorry, Martin Luther was like, let's bring the nature and beauty that God made inside of our house so that we can experience, like, you know, God's everlasting nature in front of us, blah, blah, blah. He found a way to redeem a semi-pagan practice. Way to go, Luther. And and, and I've also found where, like, um, people bring in their own ideas. So they pull their own ideas from our culture. They pull our own ideas really into, into Christianity um, when it comes to, well, they, they just pull other ideas from other religions or even their own thoughts where I have some people, I know this one person that's like, you know, but I feel like God is like this, or I feel uh, like heaven is like this. I was like, okay, well, biblically, can you, biblically, can you prove that? Well, no, but that's what I feel. And, and, and so they start bringing in these, these various ideas that come from our culture. Um, another one, my, my grandma believed this one. It was, um, <laughs> You throw granny under the bus. <laughs> She's dead. She's in heaven. Oh, okay. um, that sounds heartless. Um, <laughs> um, but it's one of those. Oh, shoot. It was um, God helps those who help themselves. And I cannot tell you yeah. how many Christians I've heard say that. And I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said that. Um, but if you look back at Deuteronomy, which we recently just finished studying, that's about as opposite as you can get Deuteronomy. That's about <laughs> as opposite as Jesus as you can get. And, and we pull these these cultural ideas into our beliefs and, um, and into our, our, our religion and, and our, our Christianity. Um, what is another one? I just had one and I forgot what it was. Um, that was a that was a really good one though. But uh, the whole idea of I think God is like X is one that. that I hear all the time. I think it's funny that um, <clears throat> man, Will Ferrell makes his second appearance. <laughs> uh, wow. It was Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. They're like going around the table talking about like how they envision Jesus. One guy, I envision him as like the baby, and one guy was like, 
I think he's like a homeless man who's that asking for change. Oh, and, yeah. Like, you know, like they kind of go around and talk. But that, and you're like, oh, that's hilarious. But man, if you listen to some people, oh, the God I would worship would never do that. Well, then you're not worshiping well, but God. Then, then they make up something else. They're like, well, I can't believe that God would think like that. So that yeah. means, but I was like, but the Bible says that. But I can't worship a God that would think or say that. So mm-hmm. that means, so they're like, so I believe that God is this. And it's like, but then you don't believe in that same God. Right. I mean, you, you can't, you're you can't up make your up your own God or your own religion. Well, you can. It's just not, the, right. you know, it's not going to get, it's going to get you about as far as a uh, parched wasteland um, yeah. in Hosea. Or or the idea of you do you, I'll do me type thing. What was you that I said, I heard that before. And you're like, the moment I hear somebody say that, I pretty much just assume that they don't know who Jesus is. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, at that point true. you've been written off. like Because they take the culture and then they fit it into religion and they feel that it fits within Christianity. It's like, well, you can't judge me. You can't say that. But I can. If, if what you're saying is unbiblical and you're claiming Christianity, mm-hmm. then... I have to. I think if I remember, it's is it Paul? Paul that gets angry. Um, and I can't remember. Is it in the Corinthians? But but he gets angry with with people for allowing that stuff to continue to happen in the church. Um, and so it's one of those that, that a lot of those cultural ideas and religious ideas come in or, you know, why the Bible, the biblical, you know, all gods lead to or all religions oh, lead the Unitarianism. to one. And so you have all of these things that have, that have embraced our culture and Christianity actually embraces a lot of the culture on so many avenues. Um, sometimes it's actually kind of scary where I can be okay with, with non-Christians that say those things. And, and when I say I can be okay with it, I realize that, that this is their mindset. But if you say that you are a Christian and you follow Jesus and then reject ideas of the Bible and bring some of those cultural ideas into mm-hmm. Christianity, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I teach a, I teach it. I'm a teacher. And so in, in discussions that, that we've had in class, um, sometimes you'll hear students say, well, you know, this, I, I can't just believe this cause this is, I don't get it. Or, you know, I believe, I don't believe that God's like this. And I guess you hear it all the time with the upcoming generation. Um, I think you even hear it a lot in, in, in my generation as, uh, as well. I think um, uh, ours, or maybe the one right before it, mm-hmm. started planting the seeds of this. The watered-down Christianity. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is, and this is where I'm going to get into, listen to our, our podcast and bring people in. And, and I'm sarcastically saying that, but I'm not. And the reason I say that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, the reason I'm saying that is we highly encourage you to not just listen to us and believe what we say. And I've found that a lot of people that bring in that Canaanite Christianity, they don't understand the Bible or scripture. Mm. They've always just taken their pastor as always having all knowledge and knowing of that as opposed to really digging into scripture and reading it for themselves. And I recently had a conversation in school. We were talking about the impact of religion and culture. And um, a lot of that came down to they're like, they're like, we actually we were kind of Christian. We don't really believe anymore. But part of the reason we don't believe is because we don't agree with everything our pastor says. I was like, well, what do you think about your religion? And a lot of them were like, well, this is what Christianity is. And I just like, ah, ah. It was like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> as they're saying, here's, here's what Christianity is. And I was like, well, before you reject a religion, 
um, or even before you accept a religion, get into scripture and study it for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Let God use the very words that he speaks and, and, and teach you through it. Um, and then there is some use of commentaries and, and historical and knowledge and that sort of thing, which can be very valuable. Um, but don't always just take the word of your pastor or the word of others without first digging into scripture. And if something doesn't sound right, go to go back to your Bible. I mean, I spent half my time in, in most sermons getting back into my bo- Bible going, did it really say that? Let me go look at that. Um, See, I take, uh, I think there's a fine line on that because I take the belief that hopefully, well, okay, this is this is hard with the current state. I would say the current state of the church in America in some cases. <coughs> Our church works under a plurality of elders and so there's like checks balances oversights and things like that so if like let's say for my for instance my pastor decided one time to come out and say uh you know something like you know the jim crow laws were great and we're gonna our our church is gonna strive to you know uh abide by those old laws because we see in scripture slavery was okay okay my pastor would never say that to be clear in case you dox me and find out where I go to church. Um, <laughs> our other elders would step in and be like, hold on a second, pastor. Uh, you're not going to be preaching this Sunday um, and probably never again. And they would uh, have the ability and the authority to remove him from his right. office, the, even though he's quote unquote, the lead pastor. Um, with that being said, I do know that like, while I trust our pastors, Mm-hmm. Um, they have not given us reason not to. They have not gone squirrely and crazy and said or preached odd things. Right. And any disagreements I have with them are super minor things that I don't care about. Uh, I'm a deacon at my church. And when I was going through the interview process and stuff like that, they even asked me, what, you know, um, what do you disagree with? Uh, what would you change and stuff like that? And my only disagreement was our uh, mode of communion. But mm-hmm. whatever. To me, it's not a huge deal i just don't like the way it's done whatever um but as i say but on the other hand there are churches out there that may have the structure that looks like ours but the pastors could be completely off their rockers and you need to weigh and test that stuff to make sure you're in a a solid place where you can thrive and grow right and 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 part of part of my 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 telling to not just always trust every word that the pastor says, but to seek it out for yourself is I believe that there's something powerful about the word of God. And so reading it and getting into it for yourself, mm-hmm. I think is you're not just saying, well, pastor, blah, 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 said this. Okay. Well then when I question, why is it that you believe that? Can you back that up? Yeah. Well, if you're reading and studying and praying and you're constantly at odds with your pastor, you might need to leave your church. Right. Uh, or, you might need to confront the leadership in your church mm-hmm. and be like, you told me if I sowed the seed money, I'd reap riches. And the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to, you know, kind of go, go at them a little bit. Yeah. But so use your pastor and use, use our podcast. Yeah. Not as a, this is all truth, but as a study guide in a way. Um, because I, I think that, um, what can be communicated from, from the pulpit each week can be good and powerful, inspirational, etc. But there, 
is a lot of self-help lesson type teaching, a lot of culture brought into the sermon. And sometimes um, in a way that that Canaanite Christianity is a teaching. Um, So being aware of what scripture says and how it fits and relates within our world is important. So, so study it on your own. Take time to read through it. What the pastor is teaching, read before and read after, read during, mm-hmm. and, and legitimately see what Scripture is saying. Um, because, again, knowing Scripture, um, knowing the Bible, I think helps keep that Canaanite Christianity not just out of each one of us, but us also outside of, of our Christian community being the big church. Um, and I think is important to have Christians that genuinely know what they believe, what the Bible says, who our God is, how he relates to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of times those that say, well, I believe that God told me, well, that's great. <laughs> um, but there is a protection that comes with those words. God told me, mm-hmm. because if it does not align with scripture, if it does not align with the God's word, then ultimately it, God is not going to contradict himself. So if God told me blah, 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 to get a divorce, well, let's go look about that in scripture. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, I I said that sarcastically, but the reality of it is, is I've actually heard that a couple of times. I I worked for a church years ago. Hey, you worked there, too, um, where there was actually a celebration over a divorce. And I was like, hold on a second. This ain't. The Bible says God hates divorce, but everyone's like high five in this lady. I I was that was the first time I was like something ain't right here. And, and I remember the one lady kept telling me that um it was the same lady that was getting the divorce about how uh she was talking about worship and I was using the broad sense and she was talking about the time of music. And I'm like, Well, I'm one of those like, Well, your life is worship and she was one of those where worship was what you did when you sang music in church and we I was really lost there as well because she didn't seem to grasp that concept that worship wasn't just the 20 minutes on Sunday. And I just, I don't know, uh, or may not, I was at a church where I worked at a church with Keith, if a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and I got into a debate with somebody about um, Doctrine of the Trinity, um, where I found out they were oneness Pentecostals that happened to be going to this church. And since it was a non-denominational church, nobody really checked them on that. Mm-hmm. Um, just weird stuff like that, that you w- would be surprised if you are more, I guess, conservative in your <laughs> uh, scriptural beliefs, not political, <laughs> your <laughs> scriptural beliefs. So you yeah. got to kind of, you know, be smart. And like you're saying, you, you need to check things against scripture. I think the best thing is to get yourself into a habit of studying and reading. And, um, you don't have to bust, like you're saying, you don't have to bust out the commentaries. Um, we vet our commentaries. Mm-hmm. We don't just go and pick the one that has the cool cover. Cause trust me, the one I'm using has a hideous cover. <laughs> um, we don't just pick the one by the up and coming superstar, or whatever we, look to see what we want to do. We look at a uh, series that we trust and things like that. It, it's not quick and easy, but you don't have to do that. Right. Um, you can just start out reading scripture and, uh, you know, asking for guidance, listening to other pastors or finding articles on it, or, you know, digging deeper with broader overviews, so on and so forth to avoid that trap of falling into making up your own version of Christianity that does not resemble the actual Christianity 
of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to say, like, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal because in all honesty, it is really, really easy to allow the culture um, and those ideas of the culture to seep into my understanding of, of God and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so I don't want to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I never, but it really is easy to allow that culture to, to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being aware that we need to genuinely know what we believe um, and to, to ask those tough questions and to be okay with that and to allow God to, to kind of um, use Scripture to help, help put that idea back together. Um, but really, when we look at Scripture in general, and even God's commands, God's commands are never meant to hurt. But if you really look at them, they actually protect you. They protect society and they protect God's people being the church um, against um, all of these other ideas that exist in our world and our culture um, from being able to, to get in and, and, and mess things up in our culture, society and, and people, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm completely so um well how much time do we have do we have just a like a couple minutes okay so we don't have time to go on so we'll end with chapter verse yeah you talked enough to kill it <laughs> i'm sorry i'm kidding um sorry it's just that uh, yeah anyway so with that verse we ended up with verse 15 no we didn't well you read through 14 so yeah okay 14 okay so, yeah, we can say w- we can either start on 14 or 15. What do so you think? let's start on 14. We'll end on 14 and start on 14. Okay. So ending on 14, therefore, I am now going to allure her. Allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Um, and so ultimately, s- the, the Hebrew, according to Elizabeth, is um, literally God will speak to her heart. So at the very moment that we see God stripping her naked, um, taking everything away, showing her that it's not Baal that is um, providing, but Yahweh, he will now go ahead and tenderly speak to her heart. Um, and so we're going to see where God is now not just going to leave her naked and let her go ahead and, and die a horrible, <laughs> lonely, naked death. <laughs> but in fact, God is actually using this to br- restore the relationship that's been broken. Um, through her harlotry. That's a good one. Yep. (laughs) And so now we will end the podcast. (laughs) I know. I I was like, if you're waiting, I was like, I'm in agreement with you. I don't have any. um, Yeah, we'll end this one. uh, I was trying to change it so my screen would quit going dim. So that also distracted me. I'll just turn it off. Okay. Yeah, uh, every every screen that I'm using suddenly like re-enabled sleep mode, so I was kind of getting mad that I had to keep touching screens and mouse pads and everything to keep everything awake. Hmm. Mine so does too, and I don't know how to. I mean, I guess well, I it didn't, and then suddenly it did. Oh, it was like, okay. oh, update. Yeah, we got to dim. We got to dim the screens. I hate updates. It messes up with my settings. So yeah, don't touch my settings. Oh, sorry. Uh, so thanks <laughs> for listening. Uh, you can reach us at bod bodcash at outlook dot com bodcash podbean.com if you want to get past episodes or leave a comment and we have a facebook uh, facebook.com slash bodcash i believe if not there can't be a lot of bodcashes on facebook no no yeah i did find out oh gosh we only got like a minute um 
the infinitive that we use mm-hmm. to search yeah. is uh, actually in Hebrew. It would be he searched. Oh, really? Um, so there would be no to search. It would be he searched because oh, okay. Hebrew didn't work that way. So uh, I learned some bakesh means he searched. Okay. Um, but it is he searched with a positive outcome, basically. All so right. So I learned something about our name. All right. But okay. It's so even better than it was. Yeah, there you go. So uh, until next time, guys, thanks for uh, listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Until we'll Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.